Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be the importance of focus. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Right now, we live in a stormy, turbulent time. Like we see in the storm recorded here, the winds are contrary to us. Contrary is defined as opposite, contradictory, not merely different, but inconsistent or repugnant. The culture is contrary to us. The ways of this world are contrary to us. And sometimes the people that we know are contrary to us. And all of these factors working against us add to the storms and the turbulence That we face during this life. During the storm that the disciples found themselves in, the problem was that they lost control of the ship. They were tossed to and fro, the wind was against them, and they lost their sense of direction. It was the fourth watch of the night, which is between three in the morning and six in the morning. It was night, they were totally surrounded by darkness. They were in real danger, and it seemed for a time like they might lose everything. It was at this time, at the last minute, that God stepped in and rescued them. Many people are living in a sea of problems, with many different factors working against them. They are surrounded by darkness. Many people today have lost control of their lives. They've lost their sense of direction. They don't know what to do or where to go or even who they are anymore. Many have tried to be their own gods, and having failed to do so, they lose control. They don't know who to turn to or where to go. And it's at this time 
When people reach the end of themselves, when they stop trusting in themselves and put their trust in God, that God will come into their lives and rescue them and do a great work through them. Storms don't last forever. They come and they rage for a time, but they then subside and calmness and stability return. The storms we face are hard. They're trying, but they come to an end, and life returns in the wake of the storm. Psalm 30 and 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Storms are going to come, but we can't lose sight of what comes after them. Let's look back at verses 29 and 30. It says, And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. We are like Peter. We are the followers of Christ. We are his disciples. He called Peter to step out of the boat in faith. And God likewise calls us, when we are in the middle of the storm, to step out in faith, to take a leap of faith, and to trust completely in him for our deliverance. Peter started off the right way, but then made a big mistake. In verse 30, the phrase, but when he saw the wind boisterous, shows the mistake that he made. His mistake was that he took his eyes off of Jesus. He lost his focus. He was looking at the wind. We need to guard our focus. We must not lose it like Peter did. What you put your focus on directly affects how you orient things in your life. When you lose your focus, things in your life subsequently become disoriented. What you put your focus on becomes the central reference point of your way of thinking and of your perception. When Peter lost his focus, he became disoriented. He thought that he was going to sink and drown, and he didn't perceive that Jesus was right there with him and protecting him. As long as Peter looked to Jesus, he was fine. It was when he looked away, when he lost sight of God, that his problems began. Many times we do the same thing as Peter. The devil distracted Peter. That was how he got his attention off of God and how he stole his focus. We see the devil use this tactic of distraction many times throughout scripture. It is one of his main devices for leading people away from God. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in the first verse, it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. The devil came against David by distracting him. Bathsheba was a distraction to him. She caused him to take his focus off of God. This altered his way of thinking and his perception of what was right and wrong. He became disoriented. Disoriented is defined as having lost one's sense of direction. His loss of focus caused him to act outside the will of God for his life. 
This loss of focus caused David to murder Uriah later on, who was Bathsheba's husband, and to cover up his sin, and it caused many problems for him over the course of time. His sins and the problems that he experienced because of them can all be traced back to him taking his eyes off of God and losing his focus. We learn from this account of David, and also that of Peter, that focus is imperative. We must guard our focus against the distractions that the devil tries to attack us with. Old dogs don't learn new tricks. The devil's playbook doesn't change. The same way that he attacked David with distraction, he'll try to do the same to us today. The devil wants you to take your eyes off of God and to lose your focus, because when you become disoriented, it is far easier for the devil to cause you to act outside the will of God. There are distractions all around us. They're in entertainment, on television, in sports, in politics, and in the culture all around us. These things are not bad in and of themselves. They become a problem and a truly disorienting distraction when they eclipse our focus of God and attempt to take his place in our lives. Matthew 14 and 30 said, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. When the devil distracted Peter, like what we saw with David, it caused him to act outside the will of God. In verse 30, it says he was afraid. This is an important phrase, because it was in this that he went against the will of God. In verse 27, Jesus said to Peter and to the other disciples also, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. God's will for Peter was that he wouldn't fear. But when Peter became distracted, he indulged in fear. Distractions are never a one-way street. There's always a choice inherent in them. We don't have to be distracted. We can choose not to be. A successful distraction is always welcomed by the recipient. Peter could have chose to rebuke fear instead of allowing it into his heart. He chose to give in to the devil's distraction. David made a similar choice. He didn't have to call for Bathsheba. He could have just went on with his day, but he made provision for the flesh, and he gave in to distraction. It is far too easy to give in to distractions and to lose our focus, but we must keep our focus on God at all costs. We need to operate in discernment so that we can perceive distractions when we come across them, and we need resilience so that we don't give in to them. We live in an age defined by distractions. Distractions are everywhere, but so is God. God is everywhere. When we are in trouble in the midst of the storm, and all the distractions around us are overwhelming and drowning us, God will be right there with us, ready to rescue us, just like he was with Peter. The next part of verse 30 is the phrase, and beginning to sink. Normally, when people sink in water, it happens immediately. They fall right below the surface of the water. Peter was beginning to sink. God was never going to let him completely sink. He was protecting him. All he wanted was for Peter to correct his focus. Then Peter did correct it, when at the end of verse 30 he says he cried saying, Lord, save me. He cried out to God. He put his eyes back on Jesus, and his focus was restored. As soon as Peter put his eyes back on Jesus, we see a great change in his situation. Verse 31 says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. If we ever lose our focus, all we need to do is look to Jesus and call on his name, and he will always be right there, ready to rescue us. Storms in life can distract us. When winds are all contrary to us, working against us, it's easy to take our eyes off of God 
and put them on our problems and on our circumstances. When we do this, we put the focus on ourselves instead of on God. Our focus is then misapplied. God must be the center of our focus. Many times, spiritual truths have counterparts in the physical realm. God shows us this truth in the world around us. In the medieval times, it was believed that the earth was the center of the universe, and all else revolved around it. Then it was found out that the earth and the universe revolve around the sun. Suddenly, there was a shift in focus. We were no longer the center of the universe. It was something outside of us and beyond us. The same way we see the shift of focus in the universe, we need a shift of focus in our own lives. Our lives need to revolve around God. The same way the universe revolves around the sun, our lives need to revolve around the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. It can't be ourselves or anything else. Jesus shouldn't be to us just some existential force somewhere far out in the distance somewhere, or just an afterthought. He needs to be the absolute center, and we can't allow anything else to take his place. When it comes to faith, human doctrine will never be sufficient. We can rely only on the word of God, but sometimes doctrines are notable. The Westminster Shorter Catechism of 1643 says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were made to glorify God, to love him, to worship him, and to enjoy fellowship with him. Not only as the Lord of our lives, but also as a friend. Jesus says in John 15 and 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our focus needs to be on God, because that's how we were designed. Our purpose is to glorify Him. And when we make ourselves the center of our lives, we miss our purpose, and we contradict our design. We need to have our priorities straight. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any praise, think on these things. We need to think on these things. We need to focus on them because they lead us to God. These are all attributes that are well-pleasing to God. We need to align and orient our way of thinking in accordance with these attributes, in accordance with God's word, his acts, and his character. This is how having our focus right will subsequently impact every other area of our lives. We will align our thinking so that we think in the will of God. Philippians 2 and 5 tells us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it changes your perspective, and it helps you to see things as God sees them, when you have the mind of Christ within you. Focus affects every area of our lives. No part of our life goes untouched. When we think in the will of God, it prepares us to act in the will of God. Thought always lays the foundation for action. This is why keeping our focus on God is so vital in our lives. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, 
How great is that darkness? We need our eye to be single. We need our focus to be singular. Once we have our eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes stayed on him. Don't waver. Keep your focus locked in. Don't look away like Peter did. And don't get distracted like David did. Keep your focus no matter what. Don't let anybody or anything steal it from you. If we are resilient, and if we keep it, we will see the blessings manifest in our lives, and we will find direction for our lives. This is how you make it for the storms of life intact. David lost his focus, but then he regained it. If you lose your focus, all you need to do to regain it is put your eyes back on Jesus. It was from Bathsheba that King Solomon was born, who was the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live. He became one of the greatest kings of Israel, and we see from this that God took what the devil meant for evil and made it good. Romans 8.28 tells us, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Even if we lose our focus, God will work it out for our good. And we have to trust and claim that promise that Jesus has given to us. We need to ask ourselves where our focus is. What is it that we are focusing on? It's easy to deflect the question. But when the storms of life arise, and they will, you're going to need an answer. You might think, why should I make Jesus the center of my life? Why should I put my focus on him? The real question is why not? What has the world done for us? The world will leave you high and dry. They'll stab you in the back and walk right over you. The world is not your friend. The word of God tells us that we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus. He wants to be more than the Lord of your life. He wants to be your friend. Revelation 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus has promised to never leave and to never forsake us. We need to give him our lives and make him our center and then watch the great work that we, he will do in and through us. We should want to do this and we should desire deeply to do it because he is our friend. When we do this, it doesn't mean that life will always be easy. Hard times and storms will come. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be able to make it through any attack that the enemy throws your way. Peter was drowning. And he called out to God and was saved, because he was caught in the everlasting arms of God. And Acts 2 and 21 says, And it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Let's get our focus right today and keep our eyes stayed on Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you today for your word and for revelation from your word. Lord, and we thank you for focus. Help us to keep our eyes on you and stayed on you no matter what. And Lord, if we have lost our focus, help us to regain it. Give us the wisdom and the understanding to call on you so that we can put our eyes back on you and keep them there. And Lord, we thank you for the discernment to tell when the distractions of the enemy are coming against us. And Lord, give us the resilience to not be distracted. And Lord, we thank you for all the great things that you have given us. Help them to not be distractions in our lives. Help us to keep you as our center, as the absolute focus and drive in our lives, Lord God. And we thank you that you are more than the Lord of our lives, that you are our friend. And we love you, Lord, and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you want to have the right focus and have Christ as the center of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask him for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you spending your time with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless all of you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.